right. So this is episode, what, seven? Episode seven of seven. our Science In Between podcast. It is. And we're back again. And this is Ollie. And this is Scott. And so uh, the, the topic today is, is what do we teach? And I think that- The topic today, kids. The topic today. Um, we were talking a little bit before we actually started recording about like, uh, how we're going to frame this. Um, and we've been talking, I guess, since the beginning that we're previewing this episode about what do we teach content-wise, and we're going to do this top five. And if you think that's this episode today, I'm sorry. Sad trombones. Sorry. <laughs> Um, instead, uh, I did this project in, in one of my classes uh, this semester, and I, I thought it was uh, really kind of interesting because I got some really interesting responses from my students. And so I thought this would be actually a really good episode for Scott and I to, to chat a little bit. And so what I asked my students is, so this, I'm teaching a class this, this semester that's in an introductory class in our uh, education program. So many of the students in there are sophomores or juniors. And so they're coming from content area classes, and this is really their first like foray into secondary education. So they may have taken like foreign language classes, or they may have taken biology classes, or they may have taken math classes. And then, you know, this is their first, you know, they, it's actually part of a block. So they're taking my class, which is Foundations of Modern Education, and then they're taking Ed Psych, and they may take a couple other classes depending on uh, what program they're in. Um, and so one of these uh, for this project, I asked them, why did they choose their certification area? Why did they choose their content area? Like, how did they get there? And the responses were really interesting. And what's that? How did you get hey, there? Yeah, I was that, thinking that of the talking heads. Yeah, I know. That doesn't work um, no. in an no. audio only format there. Scott, I know. So. Well, that was just for you. It was just yes. for you. I did that. I did the David Byrne hand motion down the arm. How did, how did we get here? Right. But and without the giant suit and everything. Right. If you don't know what that is, Google it. Uh, yeah. Stop making sense. There. Watch watch the greatest documentary of a, of a music concert perhaps ever. Sure. That's right. Stop or making sense. You could also watch the documentary now takeoff of that, which is also pretty sweet. <laughs> anyway, but we, we digress. We digress to the end of the show when we pick things that bring us to it. Yeah. So, uh, it was really interesting hearing the number of my students who are going into their, their becoming teachers and going into their subject area because somebody inspired them and somebody was, you know, sparked the love of biology or sparked the love of mathematics. Um, there was one, one student who's a foreign language student who was himself an ESL, an English language learner. And, uh, and he was just like that, that just showed me the power of language because I, and he says it, and he talked about it really in interesting ways about how he was like, I was thinking in one way and I had to develop how to think and speak in a whole nother way. And here I'm like this, you know, an elementary school kid and doing all this. And it just was really inspiring to me. And so I thought I'd use that today as a, uh, to frame, you know, our conversation, Scott, like, so I guess a little my, question, background to us. my question to you is uh, you taught physics and I taught yeah. physics. And yes, how we, you, look at that. Look at that. Look at us. And how did you, how'd you end up there? How'd you end up as a physics teacher? Um, so, yeah. So I, when we were talking about this, like I have a story, right? Like I think we all, any of us who are teachers, we have a story. Have a story. And, um, and the story is usually pretty neat and tidy. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the, here's what I'm going to do because I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be the, 
that guy. So I'm going to give you my story as it, as I tell it, right? Okay. And then I want you to give your story, and then I want to talk. I want to sort of deconstruct our stories a little bit. All right. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So here's here's the story as I typically tell it, right? So, um, so I was a nerd early on, right? Like I was a math math person. I mean, I don't really remember. Yeah, I guess that's not true. I was a math and science kid, even as even in middle school, right? Like I that was just it 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 appealed to me. It was the way my brain worked, I guess, right? So I like I would go over to my my um, parents friend's house with them because they would be visiting them and I would be visiting with, with my parents' friend's kids. And those two guys were like uber nerds. They were like computer programmers. So they were sitting writing computer code and they, and this is like in the late seventies, right? Early eighties. So this is a lot of basic. Yeah. Well, they were actually to show what level of nerd they were, they were trying to develop their own language. Um, so they were that level of nerd. So I would go and sit in their room and they would write math problems on a piece of paper for me to keep me busy. So they'd give me math problems and just say, Hey, go do like, go do this math stuff. And again, this is back, you know, you didn't really have much in the way of calculators. Um, so, so they basically just put me in a corner with a bunch of math problems. So, so I was always like that kid, right. Um, that I was broken in that particular way. Um, and when I got to high school, um, I, you know, to short, I won't give you the full story, but when I got to high school, I got, I took physics. And I think for me, while I think my physics teacher, I really enjoyed him. I think what really um, got me hooked in that into physics was that I, um, at that point, I just was good at it, right? And it wasn't hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I became like the tutor for my friends because physics for many people is like the course that they most hate in high school, maybe behind calculus. So, which they're interconnected, right? So, um, so I became like the guy that everybody asked for help. And that was very empowering for me to be like, oh yeah, I'm up, yeah, I'll help you. And, uh, so, um, so it both gave me a sense of, I think my interest in teaching and, and specifically my interest in physics. And then I went on to, undergrad and studied physics there. And there I did have a couple of wonderful professors, Ed Langer in particular is the guy I remember most from my undergraduate education. And he was really interested in um, astronomy and astrophysics. So I took courses from him, but eventually I worked with him and did some computer just to carry that forward. Some computer stuff um, like computer coding around stellar modeling with him. And so I did, and then that's sort of how I ended up where I ended up, which is, um, as a physics major, as an undergrad. So, um, but I think while, while there were inspiring teachers for me, and, and I certainly, one of my most inspirational people in my life was my middle school math teacher. Um, but, but, it, but it wasn't exactly that I went into physics because my high school physics teacher inspired me. Um, it was more that the content fit the way my brain worked, I think. That's interesting because I, I think that there's some some parallels a little bit. I mean, because certainly I, I have uh, math and science in my background. My dad was a, a electrical engineer, so there was math and science everywhere in our house. Uh, I just remember him demonstrating to me and my brother how to use a slide roll. I mean, that's that wasn't in everybody's house, right? And he was he was very much a math science guy in terms of how he saw the world. And so my my older brother and I were 
always kind of directed in that way. And it was, you know, our, our interests and from early on. Um, but I guess um, I never really thought about becoming uh, a teacher, even though when I look back at it, there were lots of instances where, you know, I was kind of put in the position to teach. Um, so I had a, uh, an English teacher who asked me to teach diagramming one day because she was like, Ollie, you're really getting this. Could you, could you, cause I'm, I'm clearly not explaining it well. And so she's just like, could you maybe take a stab at this? And I was like, well, why would she have thrown me up there? Like thinking back now, I, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, not that I would become an English teacher or anything, but um, you know, there were instances like that, like where my high school principal was asking me to help tutor, to help tutor other students in math and science because, you know, he knew that there were kids who were struggling and then needed, and, you know, I would say yes, right? But I had an awesome high school physics teacher. I had one that was just like, he was exceptional. I think he won like a teacher of the year award. He was awesome. And he was one of these people who didn't just teach uh, like, you know, how to solve problems. There were all these project-based things that he would do. I just remember, and, and when I became a physics teacher, I stole so many of them. It was, and, and he actually, he and I actually collaborated on some stuff when I first started teaching because he was so excited that somebody had kind of followed his footsteps. But the reality is that I, I took a, a left turn out of, out of high school. I went and I was going to become an engineer. And I got into an engineering program and spent about a year and a half in, in an engineering program. And then a family friend taught in one of the city schools and needed the help on the weekends, uh, helping tutor kids who were like in, on probation or on like, they were in drug treatment programs or, or things. And so they had these, this weekend program in which they would invite tutors and people in to help out with kids and to help them make up you know, lost credits and help them make up for classes that they weren't able to take. And, and so I was kind of like in, in, in injected into this whole program uh, be, through a family friend. And I just loved it. It was awesome. And every weekend I would be going down and helping out these kids. And I just remember, you know, at the time in engineering, we were learning Fortran and how to program Fortran, which was, to be quite honest, pretty easy to me. I was like, you know, there's a lot of people who were struggling. That's not like I'm, I'm not saying that as like boastful. I'm saying that it was something that came pretty easy to me, but I found no value in it. Um, whereas this other thing that was really, really hard, I found so much more value. Like it, I just remember one of the kids I was tutoring comes in and said, you know, I got a C on this chemistry test. That's one of the best classes, best tests I ever got. And I just remember thinking, what am I doing? Cause I spent, you know, I could do this other thing that just has no meaning to me where I could probably make a ton of money. And at the time, you know, we're talking in, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, that was probably the case. Um, or I could do this thing that maybe doesn't have as much, you know, value from, you know, monetary value in terms of compensation, but would have personal value. So I changed my major completely. And the engineering school was like totally against it. They're like, what are you doing? And, and then I went and became a physics major because I was, it was the subject that I thought I had the best model in my head of what that looked like and that I could, I could see myself doing it because I had somebody who modeled it for me. And I was like, okay, this person, this example, and I always feel like a, I need to say his name, Mr. Mussolino, um, he showed me what it looked like. Um, and I could say, okay, that was the best example I have and that's what I would like to emulate and so I think that gives us a, a lot of the power that we have as teachers in terms of 
kind of spreading that love of our content area um, because it certainly was something that, and I, I, when, when I was in physics, it was something that I, I did, I did well in, and, but it, it was more than because it came easy to me. It was because I, I, maybe it was, it came easy to me because I loved it and because somebody sparked that interest in me. And so those two things are, are interrelated. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, for me, that's the thing I really, um, want to deconstruct a little bit is this, um, this notion of you know the inspirational teacher because <clears throat> right. I like it it's a good story and 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 usually usually there's a there's a, a link right when I've asked my students in the past these kinds of questions it's almost always well you know Mr. Whoever or Mrs. Whoever who taught chemistry biology physics whatever was the thing that they're now in they they really and and it's not that I don't believe them uh, but I think a big piece of it is that 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 you what appeals to you in science or what you teach or whatever it is is this connection to how you work in the world. Now, whether that's mm -hmm. how you were raised, you know, you're you're talking about your experience of being in a household where your dad was an engineer, and therefore there was a lot of that stuff going on in your household. My dad was a chemical engineer. Um, wow, so, I didn't know that. Look at us. Yeah, he ended up working for University Microfilms and then leaving because he didn't want to do the chemical engineering thing. But that's a whole other thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, so so these so I do wonder. It's not that I, it's not that I want to dismiss that. It's just that this idea that teachers spark a love of the content in their kids, I'm a little skeptical of in the sense that what I think mostly happens is that students find a connection to something that they love or understand or or can do well and it and it gives them a sense of accomplishment um and i think that was in your story and in my story both right like finding teaching uh is also sort of like finding physics it's like an area where you feel like you're accomplishing something and that you're you're that and that you're good at it in some way and that helps sort of motivate you to work hard at that thing and i'm and i and i guess i'm trying to separate that um, even a little bit from the idea of passion, right? So um, a lot of people say you've got to find your passion. Um, and then there's a lot of, um, you know, newer research or thinking around that. You know, I think of like, this isn't really research, but like popular books like Cal Newport's books um, about deep work and um, this is another one I'll think of it. Anyway, but these, this idea that like you, you need to work hard at something to love it, not that you need to love something to work hard at. And uh, and I think, you know, there there's this, you know, for me, in some ways, the way that I got into physics was because it was easy for me, but it also was a place where I was willing to work hard in the same way that like I sat in this room and they gave me these math problems. Like I didn't have to do that. Like I did that, that and it was, I don't want, I don't know if I want to call it hard work, but I certainly was sitting there like just doing what would have been for anyone else homework just because I liked it, right? I liked the solving of the problem or whatever the way I framed it. So I guess the, the, the way to push back on that a little bit is so what turns people away from subject subjects then? So I mean, uh, there's a, I guess if we would ask some people, okay, why didn't you become X or why didn't you go into mm -hmm. science? Um, because, you know, taking your, you know, you, if it's, 
the purpose is in the struggle or you find the value in the struggle. There are lots of kids who struggle in science and they yeah. aren't motivated to study physics, right? I mean, I'll tell you, sure. I graduated with five people or seven people yeah. with, you know, with physics. And so if it, was, um, if it was coming down to the fact that it was hard, and I mean, you're, but that's I not you're, what I said, though. No, I didn't it, say it, was, I, it wasn't because it was just hard. It was that we were, we were, we had a, enough love of it that we were willing to work through the hard, right? No, I didn't say that either. That's oh. the that's the thing I I think I specifically was not saying is okay. I think for me, um, it was initially easy. So it's sort of the way that I thought about things, right? Okay. So physics aligned with the way that I thought about the world, so that it was initially easy for me, and then putting in the hard work at that point led to me having success and therefore that success sort of drove my interest further right so i think you know to your question about why can you drive people away from something absolutely but like the another story i tell because i tell because you and i both teach folks that teach all sorts of different things well within science right mm -hmm. is why i hate biology so much i don't hate it as much as i but why I hated biology so much in high school is because for me, biology was not even remotely the way that my brain worked in the sense that biology was taught as just memorization of huge yeah. amounts of stuff, right? And that's on some level diametrically opposed to the way that physics is taught in most places in, in high school, which is as a set of first principles that then you apply in lots of areas. Now, that can be done really badly and really well, but fundamentally, biology tends to be that way. And that I don't, I, but the question going back to my original point is, did it, did that teaching of that drive me away from it? Or was it that I wasn't oriented to the world the way that biology is and therefore it didn't appeal to me? Because there were lots of people in my AP biology class who loved that class, yeah. who just loved it. And that, and I hated it. And that was not, those differences were not all attributable to the teacher and whether that teacher was inspirational or not. Yeah, I, I was, I struggled in biology too. Biology wasn't my thing. Um, and, but I don't, also don't know if I, I can't recall having a teacher who really inspired me in biology though. I, I wonder whether, because, so the, the question is, does biology have to be taught as a set of information to be learned? Could it be taught as a, as processes? Because there are processes in, in biology, just like there are processes in physics. And they're as accessible, I think, for learners. It's just that what the way it's taught is it's taught as an uh, a set of information to learn, which I think that chemistry kind of spans that, right? Chemistry, like I was, I, I think chemistry was another subject that I, I kind of gravita gravitated towards um, because it wasn't just a set of information. It was always taught, just remember, uh, I had two really good chemistry teachers in high school who taught it from processes, larger concepts, big ideas. And we did a lot, a lot of lab work and it was very cool. And, and I would say, you know, if you were to look at the demographics of the school I grew up in, um, it would be one of those, you know, suburban urban schools. So it wasn't like this really affluent district. I think if you would look it up, it's not an affluent district at all. Um, and it was pretty diverse, but we had really good science teachers, at least in chemistry and biology, I mean, chemistry and physics from my point of view. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, so it comes down to how the stuff is taught as well. Yeah, I mean, and that's hopefully what makes 
for a good teacher. Sure. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to separate is, um, like, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't disagree that biology can be taught as processes. Um, that said, even the best possible biology teacher, I'm not sure I would have liked that class or would have inspired me to come a, become a biologist, right? Even, even if the physics teacher was terrible, would I now be a biology person? I think probably not, because the, the discipline, the sub-discipline of science, at least through most of, of you know, schooling, isn't oriented to the world the way that I am. So I think, I think it's, it's, you know, it's tricky, right? You know, when, when, you, when you talk about this stuff, to separate the, like, like, did you love Mr. Mussolini? Mussolini. Mussolino's class. Like, did you, did everyone love his class? And is everyone, was everyone inspired to be a physics student? And of course the answer to that is no. No, you're right. But, and that doesn't mean that he wasn't a fantastic teacher. I guess just the point of like, the idea that teachers have the causality around creating future people who are interested in the discipline that they teach. I'm not saying they aren't a contributing factor, but I, I'm always skeptical of those stories and that I think, you know, it's like luck favors the prepared, right? I mean, physics favors the physics-oriented types in the world, right? If that's, if you're a very logical, mathematical sort of reasoning focused for whatever reason, you were brought up that way, you have experiences that reinforce that in, in you as a, as a younger person, whatever it is, um, or your biology, I don't know, it's all, you know, nature, nurture stuff, but, um, but I think there has to be a certain predisposition that, is unavoidable. Yeah, and I, I guess what kind of supports that to a, to, to a degree is um, on campus, we read a book a, a handful of years ago called How College Works. Mm -hmm. And it was this in-depth study at Hamilton College. Have you heard of this? Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the big takeaways, so when, when this book had some buzz about it, maybe about three or four years ago, um, it one of the big takeaways from it was that a single negative experience with a faculty member could 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 directly like, directly change a undergraduate's career choice or their right. you know major. So you know we use that a lot across campus to talk about the fact that if you are teaching a you know an intro level class in in science or an intro level class in math, the power that you have in that because if it's a negative experience that they could go off and say you know what i'm not going to major in physics i'm just going to go off and do something else right. instead and I'm not that kind of person right right or you know what maybe this major is not for me this isn't and so and that negative experience i think it, it encompasses more than just the, the personal stuff it's you know how we teach how do we teach their content and and how, what and i think how we teach our content really conveys our views of teaching and learning and maybe ways of that's kind of embedded in that is how we teach teaching and learning within our content areas. Like this is, you know, oh, this is how physics people teach and how physics people learn. And they see themselves as outsiders of that. And maybe this kind of go, circles back to your, you know, uh, maybe I have your premise right now. Do I? Is that? I don't know, I don't know either. <laughs> but I, I mean, I mean, that's where you saw yourself fitting into that. You know how you know how physics is learned, or that you were like, okay, yeah, that that's how 
I learned too. Mm-hmm. Right. And that yeah. somebody was an ambassador for that. Maybe they weren't like the best teacher or one of those people that is the role model, but they were the ambassador for our, you know, the, the thinking and learning within our content area, because I think there, there are different ways of thinking, certainly with, you know, across sure. all the disciplines and within the disciplines, right? Across, you know, this is why, you know, we have general education, liberal arts schools, right? Is that we yeah. wanna say art is a different way of looking at the world than science, which is a different way of looking at the world that, you know, you can keep going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you, you know, look at the grain size at a smaller level, um, certainly the way that biologists see the world is different than the way that physicists see the world. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, I think, I think the, uh, so, so maybe the thing that's related to this was, which was another question we were talking through, um, was the, what do you teach outside of what the content you teach? And I think you were getting at that just there, which is sort of like, um, okay, well, one of the things you teach is how do people learn this thing? And the other thing that you teach is how does this thing work in the world, right? And so this is, you know, to connect it to NGSS and practices, like this is why the practices exist is because the way we teach science, whether that's physics, biology, or whatever, in addition to all the content that you may or may not learn, you learn how science works. And you may want learn how physics works and how that's different than biology and so on and so forth. Do you learn what those things actually are has been the, the problem. And the reason that NGSS exists sure, is, right. that, is that the way we do school around science is very different the way, than the way that scientists do science. Right. Um, and so I think that's another thing you teach. Um, and then I think the other thing that's interesting is the, the old saw that, you know, elementary school teachers think of themselves as teaching kids and secondary teachers think of themselves as teaching content. So even the original way that you framed the question about why did you choose to teach what you teach is sort of this fundamental question about, like, right. what do you teach, right? What do you teach? Well, I teach physics. Okay. Like, you ask an elementary teacher, they say, I teach third grade. That's not really a content area, right? They still think of themselves as teaching kids. So this idea of like, do we teach kids in high school or do we just teach physics, right? Yeah, and I think the, I would argue that some of the, the teachers that we hold up or the people that are the most memorable are the ones who are, the ones who are teaching the content and also teaching kids, right? Who get, mm-hmm. the, who get that dual role, who mm-hmm. get that they're not just up there you know, doing the, you know, stand and deliver the, you know, going back to our, our metaphors from a few episodes ago mm-hmm. is not just talking about like, hey, I'm up here to deliver content to you all, um, but they're taking on more of that coaching role, right? That coach is the metaphor that I think mm-hmm. we both kind of landed on that we felt like we were more comfortable with. That mm-hmm. coach, the coach is, understands the, the content but they also understand that there's individual performance, individual you know, support that needs to happen. So I guess that's coming back to your coaching metaphor is how we bridge those two, is that we recognize the person and we also recognize the, the content and, and helping students grow in both those areas. Yeah, and I think, I think you've hit on the thing that for me is uh, a rarity and can um, be that inspirational piece for 
in secondary, right? Yep. Which is the is those teachers that do teach kids, right? They they may teach content too, but they teach kids. And I think like my teacher that I referred to, Mr. White, who is my high school or middle school um, science teacher, like the reason that he's my favorite teacher and my inspirational teacher, and whenever I'm asked about like the most amazing teacher I ever had, it's always him, is not because of the math. It's because of the other stuff, right? It's because he recognized me as a human being, treated me like a human being, and that he cared about me in a way that most of my other teachers um, didn't. And, I, and that's not even to say that most of my teachers were bad, because that's not true. Um, but there, I think there is a big gap, especially in secondary schools, between the idea of I teach physics and I teach students um, or even physics students, right? So um, I think that that's really um, central, but it, but it's tied into that inspirational piece. I think it, it is what I was trying to originally get at is this idea that um, you know we we think of these folks as inspirational, and sometimes they may be. Uh, they may be the, the Mr. Whites who see you in a way that you haven't been seen by your other teachers up till then. Um, and sometimes they just happen to be a reasonably good teacher that's teaching a thing that's that you happen to be good at and you feel connected to. And now you say, oh, yeah, what's your favorite class? My favorite class is physics. Right. And and that's not necessarily because you have. A physics teacher who sees you and 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 supports your learning and you know real meaningful is connected to you, but it could be that's just the way my brain works. I'm good at that stuff. Yeah, so uh, we've sort of taken a winding road here, you know. Yeah, and that's so unusual for us. Usually, we're like A to B, like a like just sure. straight line. We have an outline. We have a script. Yeah. We follow the script. It that's is right. Yeah, scripting. It's. When you talked about the the thing about uh, content versus um, kids, I was thinking about like in this class that I'm teaching uh, and this assignment, going back, kind of circling back to that, uh, there are a couple students in there who are sort of, so we have also a special education program and the special education program is not tied specifically to a content area. And so those students are in the class. And so when I said that, why did you pick your certification area? As I'm thinking through the handful of students in that class, they were all talking specifically about either, uh, they were talking about kids, specific kids. Yes, right. They were, Usually, yeah, right. Specific, they were not just talking about kids, I want to help kids. Right. They had a specific right. kid in mind that they were trying to help. And which I think is really interesting, right? Is that yeah. they were, you know, one of the kids I was growing up with, his, you know, my, one of my best friends, this is a, a story uh, one student shares. I'll just kind of frame it in a way that protects some, some of the personal details. One student was talking about his best friend and how his best friend's sister um, was, was Down syndrome and um, talked about how he's like, she was like a sister to me. She is a sister to me and how that uh, influences how I see the world. And mm -hmm. so coming back to, you know, there is this, you know, content aspect that drives some content people, but there's also, you know, this kid aspect or this people aspect that drive other people too. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really common story in special education, my sense is. That, and I bet you on the elementary level too. I bet you elementary yeah. level too, absolutely. Yeah, though I think in elementary, um, 
there is a, a stereotype, which I don't think is inaccurate, but I think is being pressed on increasingly, especially by elementary folks, which is that, you know, I'll, you ask elementary teachers, why do you teach? And you say, well, I teach because I love kids. I love being around them. I love their energy. I love helping them learn and grow. And it's like, well, that's nice. And, and I, we want that to be like, that's, a, that's the bar. We want to set that you like kids. I mean, that's a good thing. Sure. But, that's a starting point. Right. But we also want you to do more than that and think beyond that in the same way that we want secondary teachers to think beyond like, I love physics yeah. and I want to, you know, because I know you've done, you've done enough teacher education to know, like a lot of my students roll in thinking that they're just going to teach themselves as high school kids. Yeah. Right. So like, I can't wait to teach AP physics and I, it's just going to be so awesome. And all it's these kids are really, that's right. A bunch of, nerds that'll really you know get in it with me and and talk and uh and it's like yeah but here's the thing dude you're going to be teaching all these other kids and the vast majority of them are not interested in physics at all they're there because they have to be there and so you gotta you gotta grapple with um this this broader piece so this idea that i'm going to teach physics and you're just going to ignore kids i think is you know something that all teacher education has to has to fight and I'll say this, when I think back on, you know, so I spent 15 years teaching uh, middle school and high school science. Uh, when I think back to, you know, those classes where I would interact with those, those kids that were like us, right? Those math science kids, those kids could have probably learned with me just dropping a book and saying, hey, do, pro do the odds at the end of the chapter. You could have put that kid in the corner with the book and they would have right, been Right, exactly. Put them off in the corner, tell them to work on those problems. The greatest joy for me in, in teaching came from the kids who came to the subject and said, you know what, I, I know I'm going to do poorly in this class or I'm going to really struggle in this class and to help them navigate that and do well. And that's, those are the kids who, when they leave, they say, you know what, I, I, I may not love physics, but I, I like it a little bit more than I, I thought I would. Sure. And, and I was a little bit more successful because there was, you know, in ours, when, in most of the schools I taught, it was a college prep and a requirement. So if these kids were going to go to college, it was one of those. So they were there, but they didn't want to be there. And, mm -hmm. and so, but there were those kids who wanted to be there, just like they would take, you know, you know, honors physics and AP physics. And they're just like, can we take, is there another physics class I can take? Those kids yeah. would have learned, you know, they probably would have learned physics with, without me. And, yeah. but the, the greater joy came from working with the, those other kids who, and yeah, so there's that. Yeah, I think that's right too. I mean, but um, yeah, it's, yeah. what did that make me think of? Anyway, yeah. I, I couldn't hear what you sorry. said. There. I just heard I was, I, I was sorry, mumble, mumble. You, you said something, made me think of something, but now it's all gone because, it's all gone. It because my brain is broken and that's the way it is. Um, your brain is broken it is yeah. so well so is mine it's all good um but i think that you know do we get do we land on someplace here i think we might have maybe I don't maybe know. i mean i think um you know for me i'm increasingly of of this mind where and this goes to our top five that we'll eventually get to uh someday. maybe some someday we'll do the graphs of the top five but um that you know, and we, we have had this conversation a little bit already, but that this, for me, this obsession with content that happens in secondary school, I'm, 
increasingly, I, I've never been a huge fan of it, but I've increasingly seen it as bad, right? So not even just, not even just like. Oh, no, uh, could you say that again? Because I want to write that down. That was really yeah, brilliant. It was bad. It was bad. Well, so here's what I'm saying. <laughs> we we have we've arbitrarily divided up science into these weird buckets, and then we sure. tell kids that they're only good at one of them usually, mm -hmm. right? And then we 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 arbitrarily define these phenomena that are fall into those things, but ignore lots of other stuff. And and after all that, we don't even really engage kids in the authentic practices of science. So they don't actually learn what science is. So so from my point of view, like I'm increasingly of the mind that we've really screwed this thing up, and um, and we we need more fundamental change in the way that we think about science teaching. I think NGSS is a baby step in that direction. And I'm you know I'm also not naive enough to think that this is a change that's going to happen even in my lifetime. But I do think this idea that um, the, the fact that we, that our, that our systems, like our teacher education systems and our school systems, um, create this, this myth that I'm a physics person, that I'm gonna go on, I'm gonna do physics, and then, and then I'm, I love physics, so I'm gonna inspire a new generation of physics people or STEM people or whatever it is. Um, and that the way I do that is, I don't know, like teach physics in such an awesome way yeah. that be a showman, but, be a magician. Exactly. And it's like, no, like what we should be doing is science should be about what science is really about, which is helping people think through and based on evidence, understand real things in their world. And the vast majority of the stuff that we do in school is not that. Right. It's a, it's, it's the death march through our content area. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I joke, I mean, you, you've, you've probably said some version of this to your students, but you know, like you can characterize what the bad version, the, the most extreme character, uh, like caricature version of your subdiscipline of science teaching is. So physics for me is like, I always joke, it's like the projectile motion problem, right? It's like, well, okay, the cannon's on a cliff, the cannon's in a hole, the cannon's yeah. this way, the angle of the cannon is all these different things. Yeah. And you do like three weeks of just doing cannon problems oh. where the cannon, cannon's doing all sorts of cool stuff. And now you're just gonna do some math and isn't that, and yeah. you know, I look back at that and say, oh, what was I doing? Like, what, 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 what was that about? And I don't think, I don't even think I was a bad physics teacher. But that, you know, and, and I characterize already what I think bad biology is, which is just rote memorization of a lot of, like, here's what the mitochondria is. The mitochondria is the power plant of the cells. And like that. Right? So, yeah. so I, think, I think what do we teach? I think what I'm trying to say, Ali, is this question that you asked, what do we teach, I think is a deep and profound question. And we often treat it as a... Um, sort of story uh, that can be superficial. And I think that's, that, that we, we have an opportunity to use this as a place to really dig into um, thinking about what do we teach? And again, to, to bring it around to the premise of the show, like what does that mean when you are in this place that is gonna predispose you to treating the content in the worst possible way, right? And that's our biggest fear. Our biggest yeah. fear with this, and and what that this is is the you know 
this teaching of science and, and school in a space in between, right? We're teaching some of it face-to-face, -face, some of it online. And I don't foresee that as, as changing. I, I would say the, the longer we do this, the harder it's going to be to go back into some sort of face-to-face um, -face environment, 100% face-to-face. Because I think what it's mm -hmm. doing is it's opening up opportunities for other forms of instruction or other forms of engagement, whether that's really good engagement or really good education is a different thing. Um, but it's, it's showing that there's opportunity. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we need to talk more about this because it's more than just the death march through content. Cause I think that's what the, what this is going to become. Well, no, I'm just going to do PowerPoint slides because I know that I can, I can project that online. And I can project that face to face and, 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 or the, I think the, it would look to somebody as an outsider as a continuum like okay the death march through content or the other thing would be uh engagement through games or engagement through like apps right hey yeah. let's do we're gonna do an entire class of cahoots right right yeah and and i don't think they're probably closer to the same end of the continuum than than either of us would well, I think right. you, you and I would both go, well, they're both on that same end of the continuum. Yeah, yeah. it's a snake eating its own tail, right? right. So, so it, it's the, eventually you get around to, we got to slather some fun sauce on top of this death march to try and make it more palatable. Fun so sauce. we're going to, fun sauce. So we're going to, and usually technology is one of the prime ingredients of the fun sauce. It's yes. like, dude, if you're doing your, your projectile motion problems on an iPad, you are your experience will be transformed. You will be so engaged and love it angry so birds. much. I it, it's Angry Birds. You could do Angry Birds, there and now go. we're learning. Is that so? Right. Is that so? An app you can download? I don't even know. Probably. Angry Birds. I, be, I bet it is. Yeah. Well, and and then the 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 old school version of that, which is like we're gonna do uh we're gonna do the the egg drop. Sure. Like let's go out and throw stuff off the roof, and that'll teach you about physics. It's like. Yeah, I mean, let's get some well, we fun sauce. Let's, 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 yeah, of course we did. Oh. I, I, I was famous for dropping watermelons off the roof. It was nice. Yes. Nice. So they you were like the, there. They gave me you were like the Gallagher of yes, I was. physics teacher. Yeah. I, I, yeah, so yeah, the fun, slathering the death march with fun sauce, maybe that's the, the, the title of this episode. But, um, but I think that's, you know, that is, to your point, that is the snake being its own tail. That is the, like, okay, we've now designed a system that's so reprehensible and horrible and unpalatable that we have to create all these like tricks to try and fool kids into thinking that it's not as terrible as they think it is. And you just look at yourself and say, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? What are we accomplishing? And, uh, and maybe one of these times we'll take up standards um, and, and that whole oh, thing, because um, we're in the process of adopting here in Pennsylvania. And, uh, we'll see where that goes, but um, but standards are are you know are increasingly coming under fire too. So as we as we move into these you know questions about culture and race and how those penetrate so many aspects of our society, and certainly standards are one of them, um, and what that does to schools and schooling and um, you know black and brown kids and poor kids and yeah. So what I think what do we teach? What do we teach is like, you know, 
you've you you uh, you picked a good one in that it's a can of worms, right? You open it and you think, oh, what do I teach? I'm a physics teacher. It's like, oh boy. Yeah. So I, I guess we this got really depressing pretty quick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's depressing times, but but we are the we are optimists, you and I. Yes, uh, we are. As much as you're a fatalist, you're an optimistic fatalist. Yeah, I would agree with uh, that. Yeah. Both of those. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, I think we're not saying that we're doomed, but I think we're saying um, we we have a problem too, and and we have to take advantage of it. You keep coming back to that. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> you figure if if you sprinkle it at every episode, then yeah. it's going to be a thing. It's All a right? bit. It's it a is. bit. It's like yeah. you know. So. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I think we do, you know, like with so many things, and we, we have talked about this before, that one of the things COVID has done for many of the aspects of our, our world and how it operates is given us an opportunity to say, is this really what we want? Because, you know, your point about how do we go back? There's no going back. Like whatever it is, whatever it is that is after this will be different. I, it may not be radically different, I don't know, right. but it's never going to be what it was because this thing has has unmasked all sorts of things that have been invisible or ignored by us in all aspects of, of our worlds, but in particular in education and the inequities in education and the, the challenges that our society poses for education. So. Yeah, I, I would I would say it's kind of like you know a to to kind of give you a bad metaphor, but it comes from physics. Mm -hmm. If we if we have something that's elastic, uh, like like a rubber band or a spring or something, we've been pulling it so far, and it's gonna be really hard for it to kind of come back into into its shape. And yeah. so I think that's where we are. Is that there's so many constraints and so many things tugging on it in different directions. Um, you know, the coronavirus being one. Um, but there are other things as well. Um, sure. And all of those things have stretched it so far out of proportion. It's really going to be hard or it's going to take a long time for it to kind of come back to, yeah, that's also pretty yeah. depressing. But I think that's, well, that's not just education. No, it's a problem opportunity. It's not, it's, problem, it's not right. depressing. It's yeah. a opportunity. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for bringing, bringing me back to positive. Yeah. So uh, I guess the, the place to land is uh, the thing that you that brings you joy this week there, Scott. Oh, right. Thing that brings you joy. Um, so uh, let's see. I, I had one. Now, now I've... Just well, out of your head. Yeah, as per usual. So, okay. So here's what I'll talk about. I, actually, I think it's your turn to go first. I think, well, I, think it, I think it was my, my turn last time, but I'm prepared because I... Okay. I come well, to I'll go first. Now, no, no. If you think it's I've my turn... I've done the class prepared. Okay, geez, I can be class prepared. I do school better than you. I do school better than you. I did the um, reading. I did the reading. I know. Did you? I did did you write the problems. reflection? I did. That? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have been, uh, I, thanks to you, uh, I have Hoopla. And nice. um, I've been digging in to some, to some comic books via Hoopla. I'm excited. So I am reading something that I got to read the first part of in regular comics, but never got all the way through the series. And I'm trying to finish it, which is East of West. Oh, it is so um, awesome. It just finished. Oh, yes. it's so awesome. It just finished. And so, so, uh, so I am, I am almost 
done with East of West, and I can't recommend it enough. It's it's yeah. uh, great. I mean, I think it's, you know this is sort of like recommending an Academy Award winning now uh, so movie. Oh, but it's, uh, it's but MA. East if of you're West. out there, don't buy it for yeah, your your no, no. eleven year old. Don't do that. Uh, no, it's really dark, but it is so good, and it yeah. lands someplace that is. Yeah, I won't take it away, but it yeah. just lands in a pretty good spot, and and I'm happy yeah. with how it. Um, yeah, so yeah, East of West is a, such a good recommendation, Scott. Yeah, I've read Thank I've read you. through that series actually while I was waiting for the last last one to come out. I reread the series because I wanted to prepare mm. for it, to, and it was so good. Yeah, yeah. we're we're. It's great. Um, so mine is you, you kind of tipped it off was the do documentary now I draw when you're doing your little uh, yeah, yeah. if you're unfamiliar with documentary now it's from Fred Armisen and Bill Hader yeah. and Seth Meyers and it's on I think it streams from Netflix I think you can get it there that's where I was, was watching it with the family yeah. um, and what they do is they take um, you know documentaries or, or videos or things that um, have been out there in you know society, and then they kind of do their own little take on them and redo them. And the stop making sense one is really great, but I would say the high water mark for me is the Al Capone episode where they do an Al Capone festival in like Iceland, and so they have this competition. <laughs> I know it's as awesome as it sounds because they do this like little town in Iceland where they do Al Capone. Which why there? You have to watch the episode. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. So this isn't just because Al Capone is like one of your people. No, it's not, it's, no. It's okay. nothing to do with my Italian heritage. It is okay. everything to do with it's just funny. Okay. Yeah, so the Al Capone episode, which I don't know the actual name of it, but when you come to Doesn't it, matter. that's the episode. You'll you'll find we'll find. Yeah, because you'll right. yeah. Yeah. So documentary now. I haven't seen that one. I have seen multiple. East of East of West also what a strong recommendation. And uh so that's it for us this week. We'll see you next time. In between. In between. Nice. Uh, Look at us. That, that in between. I know. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. We're getting All right. with a sign-off. Yeah. Signature sign-off. Now we have it. Yep. Okay. All right. See you next week. See you then.